0: Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. May God's grace and peace be mul- multiplied to you. And I you know when the, this topic of um, winning the youth was given to me, right, I was like, oh, very difficult. <laughs> and I first thought, come to my mind was, oh, so why did I actually choose to stay in this church when I was younger? You know, uh, some of us... Uh, <clears throat> who are studying older will know that I came in this church around the 1990s uh, in my teenage years. And I know that right when I was younger, I was not really interested in uh, like spiritual matters and all these things, uh, although I go to church. And uh, my mother was the one who showed me what Christianity is like. You know, her prayers and her, uh, uh, her spending time daily with the Lord. And whenever she meets with difficulties uh, or difficult situation, right? Okay, the way that she responds, um, her gentleness and her calmness, really show me what, is it mean to, what does it mean to live a Christian life. And that, as I look back, right, her testimony for the Lord is something that I hope to emulate. So at home, I learned about this. Even though it's difficult for her and difficult for us, especially we come from a uh, non-christian family uh, i thank god for her then after that right when i came to know the lord i was invited to peninsula efc in the i think in 1996 if i'm not wrong okay short and many of my school friends at the point of time uh, also attended uh, this church i decided to attend service regularly because my friends are here and uh, and more importantly, because after you know church service, right, we get to hang out, you know, go to McDonald's and all this. So I mean, that is probably my motivation at the point of time. It's just friends. I also attended the youth fellowship uh, at the point of time also, uh, and I remember that when Wei and Bilan was my uh, youth leaders. Uh, maybe they don't remember, but I remember. <laughs> yeah, and, You know, I always look forward, again, I say I look forward to after service. You know, there's uh, captain ball, basketball. It was really memorable and fun, uh, playing together and having fun together with my friends. And I remember Pei Yi, Bing Hua, Ray Wen, and Bao Yun. Why? Because uh, they were playing basketball with us. They were there running up and down, and uh, and we really enjoyed the uh, friendship that I have. I was thankful for the young adults then, now they are adults like me I cannot say that I'm young now uh, who were willing to spend time with me and invite me into this community so later when uh, PFC and EH merged together and uh, uh, become GFC Gilang eventually go free church and Pastor Andrew was one of the adults who spent a lot, a lot of time uh, with the group of us in the youth group and he mentored me and discipled me in my walk with the Lord. I thank God for his willingness to pour out his time, his life, his energy, reaching out to me. And that's where how I come to uh, experience the uh, embracing love of this community. So during those times where I, while I was growing up, uh, learning about church, learning about uh, who, who Christ is, especially in, at home, uh, I realized that I gradually need to take my faith more seriously. I decided to um, come to a place of acknowledgement that Jesus is my Lord, not only my Savior, uh, not only uh, when I'm in trouble that I go to, but He is my Lord and my God. And I decided to so I come to the place where when I made the decisions, and I decided that GFC will be the place, the home that I will stay to grow uh, and mature. So from my story, I just identified three areas. Three areas that lead me to remain in the church okay, and continue to grow in Christ. And first one is, uh, even though my mom is not here anymore and he's not in this church, she's not in this church, my mom's faith in the Lord at home. Even though she did not know, <clears throat> did not do, or uh, rather asked me to do like devotions uh, or encourage me to study the Bible because I mean, she's not really educated. Uh, but she, the her unwavering faith in the Lord and her way of living out the gospel in her life helped me to see what is it like to follow Jesus. In church, I found a group of friends, whether it's my peers or my young adults, or the young adult then, who are willing to accept and embrace me. We hung out, we served together regularly, building a strong bond in the faith community, eventually leading me to, to call this church my home. And lastly, The third point is that I had to decide to respond to the call of the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus. It's not only my mother's faith, it's not only what the church can do, but I myself need to make that decision. So it was in 1996, as I say again, that I received Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I started to be serious in my walk with the Lord. And coming to church, hanging out with my friends and serving together in church, this is how I understand what it means to grow in Christ. But as most of us will agree with me, then what I experienced 20 years plus or 20 plus years ago, right, and what the youth experience today is vastly different. The last time I still play goli If you know it's golly, right? Okay. Marbles. <clears throat> uh, skipping rope and all these things. So uh, nowadays it's more sophisticated. Handphone games, computer games, uh, playing with chat GPT. I have not tried it out yet, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, in fact, right, I belong to the tail end of Gen X, <clears throat> tail end of Gen X. Whereas the youth and young adults now are either in, like what you know, elder or champs Chung say, Gen Z or Generation Alpha, uh, one big round comeback Alpha now. It is getting very challenging to engage and reach out to the youth in this world and even more, even also challenging to reach in to our youth in this church, or in the church. They have their own way of thinking, their ever-changing slang, and an increasing number of youth acronyms, and I cannot catch up with the number of acronyms that they got to write on the WhatsApp, exposure to pluralistic worldviews, or experiencing different cultures like the woke and cancer culture, through the internet, social media, and so on and so forth. The world today is much more complex compared to the previous generations. We cannot use the, what works for us in the past and insist that it will work with them now today. Now in the 2020 National Census, uh, all of us know about this already, and that we've been seeing this quite often. Most of us will remember that it is the, in the category of religion in Singapore. The fastest growing religion is no religion more people in singapore identify themselves as having no religious affiliation you know, the age group with the greatest jump from 2010 to 2020 is the youth and the young adult age group from 25 to 34 years old now i believe the increase will include also those who drop out from church within the 10 years i'm not when well, you see the things I, I'm not here to say what we have done wrong, but just to state the general reality now, to encourage us as parents, as a church community and as individuals to consider how we can win our youth for Christ. And winning here, I do not mean by just saying the sinner's prayer, but journeying together as a community to spur one another on towards remaining in Christ. To know Christ not only as our Savior but as our Lord and God. Here, let us uh, look at Timothy, the passage for today, who was a third-generation believer, and how he grew his faith in God, according to Second Timothy chapter one verse five to seven. Let me read verse five to seven. From this, from this verse, there are three areas we can observe. We can observe. First, Timothy learns to um, sincerely follow God since young through his grandmother's and his mother Eunice's faith. You know, Timothy probably caught hold of how his family members lived out their faith sincerely towards God. That set an example for him to follow. The spiritual exercises he learned from them was being immersed in scripture. Second Timothy chapter three, verse fourteen to fifteen says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the secret writing, which can make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The second point that Timothy received encouragement and blessing from his faith community and especially from this particular passage is his mentor, Paul. You know, Paul, was an ad- Paul was the adult in his life, the leader from church, outside of his family, to, to challenge and to disciple Timothy to remain in the faith and to serve Christ using his gift. And the third point We can learn from the passage is that timothy himself needs to make the decisions to fan into flame the gift of god to live a life of power love and self-control empowered by the holy spirit the life of a following christ is what timothy got to choose for himself like every one of us here by the grace of god his family church and mentor cannot help him with that so let us take a look at these three areas and explore together as a community how we can win the youth of this generation so first meaning the youth at home like timothy he had his grandmother and mother as his faith warriors so to win the youth at home as parents we must actively live out our faith in god and set an example for our youth this week I read an article from our Daily Bread titled From Second-Hand Religion to First-Hand Faith by Stephen Chan who had served as a Sunday school teacher for about 10 to 15 years. Now he, he recounted teaching a brilliant primary school, primary five boy in Sunday school. The boy understood the lessons and asked good questions and could remember the Bible verses he was taught. He was also friendly, obedient, and good-tempered. Stephen thought that he could be a good youth leader in a youth ministry. But unfortunately, a few years later, he found out that he stopped, this boy stopped attending church and did not believe in God anymore. To him, Jesus was an academic subject to him, according to Stephen, He didn't see the reality of Christian faith so, when he encountered persuasive arguments for alternative ideas and worldview, he left. When you don't have faith, real faith, you, just, you, just, you are just a short push of the edge of the cliff. Unquote, saying Stephen. He concluded that there are four stages of faith for children and adults that we must go through. I'll just briefly go through very fast. The knowledge of Jesus, listening to the gospel, knowing the Bible story, etc. Children and youth learn all these things in Sunday school, youth ministry, and even young adult cell group Or even at home. Stage two is to come to a decision to make a choice to believe Jesus. And transiting from knowing to believing Jesus requires children and youth to take their personal step of faith. They need to see how real is their own life or how real Jesus is in their own life. Stephen says the the re, this requires a lifestyle change at home, with Christian parents show how they apply their faith in the way they live, behave and relate to others. How, how we parents live our life for our Lord at home will either be a good or a bad testimony for the Lord. Our children, learn, our children will learn and pick up from us what it means to believe in Jesus. And for stage three, following Jesus is the way of acknowledging that Jesus is his Lord. This step can only be done by the child or youth with the help of the Holy Spirit. For this is a decision that the child or youth makes when they have a real encounter with God. And lastly, stage four, growing in Jesus. This growing faith in Jesus will come automatically and naturally when all three steps are done well. Well, when they come to know and believe in Jesus. In these articles, one important factor determines the child or youth's decision to believe or follow Jesus is how parents, disciple them through living out their life or living out their faith in God at home. How parents relate and love one another and how we respond when things are heated up. How our spiritual walk with God is like are we spending our quiet time? Are we praying? Are we doing devotions? How we respond when things are difficult? We pray. These are occasions where children or youth can get a glimpse of whether God is real in their parents' life. As parents live out their as parents live out their faith in God, they will know how to disciple their children. Secondly, it is God's mandate for believing parents to disciple their children, according from Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six to nine. And we read, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as a frontlet between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates this is an instruction and a mandate that god has given to all parents firstly the instruction was specifically issued to parents and not anyone else it is the role and responsibility of parents to disciple and to teach the children in god's way we cannot subcontract to somebody else for that matter parents will need to know and live out god's word in their own lives this word that i command you shall be on your heart say in deuteronomy 6 for them to be able to, dis- to dis- god's word must be real in their life you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlet between your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I mean, I was thinking about this, right? It's like, oh, maybe uh, on your computer you see the Bible verse. I mean, sometimes you will see, also, you know, uh, on our door, right? We will have, uh, this is the house of the Lord. The, all these things is just small little ways of reminding of God's word and who our religions belongs to. And the call for us is you shall teach them diligently to your children. This is them, That is the word of God, the law of God. Parents are to take their disciple of, discipling of their children free, thinking of different ways to engage and help them to know the scriptures and to experience God. Their discipling of their children is not a once-off on Sunday, like attending Sunday service, Sunday school, youth ministry or young adult cell, but a daily journey, taking every situation in their life as learning and teaching opportunity on how God can be in their midst, sharing their life stories, their ups and downs, to, to bear witness to how the scriptures could be relevant in their own lives and also can be relevant to their children's life. For me, I am heartened and encouraged that many of our parents in our midst here are actively and diligently discipling their children. I am more involved in their children's life and spiritual growth compared to my time. My father is never uh, at home in the house uh, he's always at work but now I see more fathers are more many of, the, many of our mothers are making deliberate choices to nurture their children in the way of the Lord and many times at the expenses of their careers it is not easy and I'm thankful to God for the wonderful works that he is doing in our midst with our parents continue to press on with the good work brothers and sisters There are some of us who might feel discouraged at this point of time and disappointed. You might be doing all the right things to come, to go as planned. I want to say there are no formula for parenting or discipleship. Every child is different, unique and special to God. Hence, every one of them will respond differently in their faith journey. But remember this, brothers and sisters in Christ, God loves them more than we can ever love them. So we must continue to trust God to do His will, by His grace, working in them and us and lead them back to Him. Let us be patient and wait upon the Lord. They do not need to do it alone. They need the support of the church and the faith community to play a part in their children's spiritual growth. As children becoming youths and young adults, they will increasingly want to make decisions themselves, want autonomy. They may desire to be more independent of their parents. It is at this time that we will need godly people in the faith community to come alongside them, to guide them, to embrace them and to love them. Indeed, it takes a village to to raise a child. So my second point, meaning the youth. Again, like Paul guides, like Paul, how Paul guides and nurtures Timothy as his mentor in the larger community. Our youths also need the larger community community to input into their lives. But this seems, but this seems to be more and more challenging. As we mentioned earlier in the 2020 Singapore Census affiliate themselves as non-religious, come from the young adult age group. It is also observed in many churches in Singapore that many youth and young adults have left or are considering leaving their church in recent years. So why are they leaving? In the book You Lost Me by David Kahneman, principal of the Barnard Group, he discovered in his research why young Christians are disconnected from the church as they transit into adulthood. Okay, if you want this book right, or you want to find out more right, you, I, I have the book. You can you can look for me. Okay, there's a lot of details there. I can only pick a few things to talk about it. Yeah, although the study was dated in 2011 and conducted in America, and may not be reflect um, it may not reflect the current reality in Singapore. I think we can still draw some similar general observations from this book. Let us consider the three broad groups of youth who drop out of church according to this book. According to David, there are these three groups. First, the nomads. They are youth who walk away from church engagement but still consider themselves Christian. They are youth that feel they don't fit into the community. And not much effort was made to help them assimilate into the church, because of the judgmental commands from the church members. They never lose their faith in Christ, but they lose faith in the church. The second group of people is called the prodigals, a youth who lose their faith, describing themselves as no longer a believer or no longer a Christian. Many of the youth lost their faith because they found it difficult to reconcile science with faith. They had many who could not give them satisfactory answers. And after struggling for a while, concluded that they could not believe in Christian stories anymore. And the last group of people who drop out are called the exiles. They are youths who are still invested in their Christian faith but feel stuck between culture and the church. They are youth with enormous cynisms towards institutional Christianity. They could not agree with some of the church, some of the churches and Christian subcultures as it contradicts the worldview and culture that they are living in. For example, even though they did not walk away, although they didn't walk away from the faith, they struggle to be involved in church. He said they are not in church, they didn't walk away, but because of the different cultures, the worldview that they are living in, they are struggling. So in this research, David found that most of the dropouts did not necessarily walk away or lose their faith, but they put their involvement with the church on hold. They do not want to come, they do not want to be involved, they just want to live their life. They are not lost. They do not. Lo- they have not lost their faith in God. They are just. There. So, what can we do as a church in GEFc, do to reach out to those at the fringe and those struggling within the faith community? Firstly, we recognise the challenges that might cause youth to drop out of the church. We must know why. Why are they leaving? In his book, David continued, identify six possible reasons very quickly i'll just glance through for disconnecting or rather for the youth to be disconnected with the church the dropout youth found the church to be and all these things that is listed down here right it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong it is what they are struggling okay the dropouts who have went through this survey are struggling and some of the things you may not agree is fine, but this is something that they are struggling because of what they are the, the, the society that they are living in. One, overprotective, the church. is overprotective. The church is seen as unwilling to take risks and be involved in social and cultural issues. They do not want to deal with the world's complexity. Issues like gender identity, LGBTQ, work culture, etc. Two, the church are being seen as shallow. The church is boring as they cannot give meaningful answers to their real-life issues, which can help them navigate their current culture and society. The youth do not see how their faith can be relevant to their future career or even interests. Are they even, is the church even care about what I like to do? What is my future? The dropout youth see church as anti-science. The Church is out of step with our scientific world. It makes complex things too simple. Everything is because God created. That's it, All the Bible says so. Science seems to welcome questions and scepticism, whereas the Church seems to be close to intellectual discussion. Four, the Church is repressive. The Church's religious rules are too traditional and conservative which result in youth feeling that the church is repressive, cannot do what they want to do. The church is exclusive. Christianity claims to exclusivity does not go down well with youths today as they are being shaped by a culture that encourages open-mindedness, tolerance and acceptance. And lastly, doubtless. The church, seems, doubtless. They cannot doubt. The church is not safe for them to express doubts. They feel that the church belittles and trivialises their struggles in making sense of their faith. These are the six things that he has identified. And from the above descriptions and our own experience, we recognise that many of the issues that the youth face today are more complex and challenging than the previous generation like I said just now. I must confess at this point of time that I am often afraid to discuss or dialogue with our youths with some of these issues, the social and cultural issues that they are facing at this point in time. Just because I do not have a good answer or solution for it. I don't know what to say. They were uh, uh, yeah, like, next time I don't talk to you anymore. So I believe many of them are trying to make sense, many of our youth are trying to make sense of how to live out their faith in God in a world that daily teaches them a worldview opposite to what they, are, they have known. So to help our youth who may feel displaced as a, as a church, we need to provide the youth with a loving and embracing faith community. Can let me suggest some minor shifts of mindset and ways in which we can deal with the disconnect? That's only my suggestion Is okay? Colossians 3, verse 11 says, here there is no uh, not Greek and Jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarians citians, slave free but Christ is all and in all our use, behaviour mindset and lifestyle that we talk about can be very foreign to many of us I can't say you know I'm talking to Gen Alpha right I don't even know what they're talking about they probably don't understand what we're talking about too there are so much difference but the thing is that right So, our lifestyle difference is like how a, Greek, how a Greek is to a Jew. Still, the scripture reminded us that in Christ there is no such differences. Whether you're a Greek or Jew, there's no such differences. We are all one in Christ. And his command for us is to love one another. This is how a disciple of Christ looks like and is recognized. Colossians chapter 3, continue on with 12 and 15, says God commanded us on how we should treat one another in Christ and for that matter, how we love and embrace our youth who are different from us. he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complained against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all and above all this, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which instead indeed you were called in one body. This is how we should love we are called to love one another in church, and it's the same message for us to love our young people, our youth who are different from us. To win the youth in the church, we cannot avoid or dismiss the challenges they are facing. To be a loving and embracing community, we need to listen and to engage our young people. They are looking for us to dialogue and provide biblical guidance to help them make sense and make wise decisions. Last year, you know in the picture during the repeal of Section 377A, there were questions among the youth in our church. And I'm, I'm just thankful that Pastor Vincent spoke to the young people in Kaleo biblical, we are willing to discuss some of these current-day issues rather than turn a blind eye. This engagement will not be a once-off, but hopefully more in the future as our world becomes more diverse. To provide our youth with a loving and embracing faith community, we must be willing to understand, be willing to engage, and embrace our youth even in our differences. Be willing to guide them in the ways of the Lord as mentors or spiritual friends. Be willing to, be humble, to humble ourselves to acknowledge that we do not have all the answers, but we are willing to discover along with them. Be patient by giving them the space to make sense of how to live out their faith in the world and God for themselves, to form their conviction and make personal decisions to follow Jesus in their own generations. Their faith cannot be a second-hand religion, but must be first-hand faith. This leads to my last point, that the youth decisions to follow Christ or follow Jesus. And now I just want to speak to the young people and the young adults in our midst. This is where I address you all. Firstly, recognise that following Jesus is a decision that you need to make your own. For this reason, in 2 Timothy first, chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, I repeat again for this reason, I remind you to fan into fame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of our hands. For God gives us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control. You know, Paul, needs, Paul is just reminding Timothy that he needs to fan into fame the gift of God. And as a mentor, Paul can only encourage and remind Timothy. But Timothy himself needed to take action to live out their faith in Christ, or rather live out his faith in Christ. There is no shortcut for discipleship. We've got to live it out. I always remind our young people that God has no grandchildren, that all of us are his children and co-heirs with Christ. You know, uh, today's uh, Love Singapore, if you have read uh, by Pastor Howe, of our heart of God, he also said the same thing. And he says, do we actually pray uh, our heavenly father or our heavenly grandfather? No, right? We only pray our Heavenly Father. God is our Father and we are his child. And each of you will have to to believe and follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Those of you who have believing parents must realize that your parents' faith, no matter how strong or powerful, whether it is it pastors' children, elders' children, missionaries' children, you know, go through all the things. No matter how strong and powerful, will not be able to save you. The, their faith cannot save you. You got to make that decision to follow Jesus. Parents can do their best to live a godly life an exemplary life for Christ, so so the children know what following Christ looks like. The Church can do love by God through the faith community, but however, each one of you will need to make your own decisions to respond to Jesus' invitation to come and follow me. Secondly, first-hand faith can only come with daily choosing to live out your faith in God. In the earlier, in the earlier uh, our deliberate articles that I read just now, from second-hand religions to first-hand faith, Stephen continued to observe that children and youth who grew up in church and later walk away, the reason is because it, it's an outward obligation. He said, you can go to church out of habit, Sing all the songs that you want, but it may not need or it may not mean anything to you. Second hand faith is indistingu- indistinguishable from real faith until crunch time. Young people, will your faith stand the test during crunch time? Will you still follow and put your faith in Jesus when difficult and rough situations come your way? Or will you throw in a towel? chapter 3, verse 12 to 13 says that, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But I encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This reminder is not only for our young people, but it's for all of us here. The scripture encouraged us that every day and every single moment, as long as it's called today, we need to choose to follow Jesus. Our faith in God needs to be lit up daily so that we can experience God's love and faithfulness towards us. And when a crunch time comes in our lives, we will have the faith and courage to place our trust in God. May God be our help. As we conclude we know that for us to win the youth and not lose them, there are no shortcuts and no easy ways. There are a lot of things that we need to do. But for us, these are the three things that we have learned today. Winning the youth at home by parents actively living out their faith in God and set an example for their youth to follow. Winning the youth at home by parents living out their mandate of God. disciple their children. Secondly, winning the youth in church by recognizing the challenges that might cause youth to drop out of church and providing the youth with a loving and embracing faith community. Thirdly, the youth need to make their own personal decision to follow Jesus. Nothing the parents or the church can do to make them follow Jesus. They've got to make that decision. And following Jesus is a decision they need to make their own, like I say. And first-hand faith can only come with daily choosing to live out their faith in God. There's only one application that, uh, that we can apply. It's for us to pray. Why? Because we recognize that discipling our youth or even any form of discipleship The transformative work in that person is the work of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit's involvement, all that we say or do comes down to nothing. We can have all the cleverest strategy and all this, but without God being involved, it's nothing. Only God can save and change a person. Therefore, to reach into our youth Let us pray that the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, will do great work in the youth and our life. Let us pray. Father God, we need you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and lead us in our discipleship, with our young people, and even walking with you. Without you, Lord, as parents, whatever that we do comes down to nothing. Without you, as a church, all the activities, the programs, the structure, comes down to nothing. And without you, Lord, nobody can come to know you. So Lord, be one of us here, that we will have the desire to love you, to pursue you, to know you. And I pray this also for our young people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.